Today's Coffee Shop Conversation is presented by Papa Murphy's Take and Bake Pizza. Love at 425. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Oregon Music News Coffee Shop Conversations at Artichoke Music once again. We have a table, a table full of some of the greatest harmonica players on earth. How about that? Pretty good, huh? Jeez. We've got Magic Dick, who's, who you know from, uh, from Jay Giles' band. We got Mark Hummel, who know, you know from all those great, great years playing in the Bay Area and the Harmonica Blowout Tours. We've got Lee Oscar, who you know from uh, uh, the band War. Well, we're not supposed to say war if it's, it's journalism, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he played in the band War. He's not playing in the band War tonight. <laughs> and Jerry Portnoy who you know from Muddy Waters and Eric Clapton. Uh, you guys are, you never get tired of hearing those credits, do you? I mean, I know that's not what you're doing now. No, I don't, I don't get tired of it. And uh, we could make a longer list if you'd like. Okay. No, we won't. No, we'd like to. <laughs> All right. Now, I asked, I asked Les McCann one time, I said, don't you ever get tired of playing uh, compared to what? He said, if they asked me to play compared to what three times a set, I would play it. <laughs> well, I, I just want to say, man, that... Uh from the way I can, the only way I can play, the only way I can play is to play in the zone, in the moment. So even if it's the same tune played every night, mm -hmm. it'll always be different, it'll always be in the moment. Yeah. If I had to play any other way, probably I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't have mm -hmm. the skills. Mm -hmm. But if I did, I would be bored, I would be quitting pretty quick <laughs> because <laughs> cause it would have nothing to do with what I feel yeah. And secondly, I want to just tell you is that credibility is a great thing. Gets you through the gate. Hype gets you through the gate. Yeah. But I ain't going to buy it myself. I'll use it. Uh -huh. And what I look forward to in life is not what I've done. I look forward to stuff that I'm doing or the stuff I haven't done yet. And that's what keeps me going. Uh -huh. Okay? Uh -huh. Jerry, how do you feel about that? Because about, uh, don't, don't, you, you get requests for the same tunes, right? Uh, well, I suppose maybe people, I'm, I'm known as a traditional harmonica player and yeah. I've played, you know, some great blues gigs. So I suppose some people might want to hear Muddy Waters stuff or whatever, but, uh, usually, I mean, with my own band, I do my own songs and mm -hmm. some covers and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever, uh, whatever it takes to get paid. <laughs> How do you keep it fresh? Every night's fresh. Yeah. Every night's a different, uh, you know, usually, I mean, the music business now is mostly one-nighters. But, of course, I, I retired about five years ago. They These guys dragged me out here. Uh, but not, <laughs> well, against, said, not against my will. You said if I could use your microphone, it would have to... Be yeah, on these tours. Mark so Hummel's been out I here. I said I really love his microphone, and yeah. so I would hire him on this tour. Yeah, Ma he, Ma he, Ma he hired me for the he microphone. Like you to love your microphone. He hired me for, for the microphone. microphone. No, yeah. His microphone. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> he has one of the best microphones in the business. Is that right? That's why the drama got the job because he had the. It's band. not the mic. <laughs> it's this. Well, I guess I like the mic though. Well, you you think it? You think you, that's up here? <laughs> And how about you? How do you how do you keep it fresh? Well, to me, my philosophy is is that every time you perform a song, doesn't matter how many times, it's an opportunity to make it fresh. And in fact, if you don't make something fresh about it, it's 
not fresh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it, it's just it's it's a, it's more a matter of um, attitude and not planning too much. You know, uh -huh. it's, it's a thing of being in the moment. Yeah, that's the most important element, yeah. no yeah. matter what kind of music you play, mm -hmm. unless, of course, you're a classical musician. But even then, being in the moment means something really special as far as giving the music the respect that that it is due, no matter what style, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. folk jazz, blues, classical, you have to be present. And it's, it's your being present that actually is what the audience responds to the most. Mm -hmm. And you yourself as the performer, um, uh, it energizes you as, as the player mm -hmm. to have that kind of an attitude. You know? mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's mechanical. Yeah, it's a monologue. Yeah. A monologue don't don't make it. Yeah. I got a good joke for you. Okay. Past, present, and future all walk into a bar together. <laughs> what would you call the situation? I give up. Tense. Oh. <laughs> I like oh. that. <laughs> groan, groan, uh. groan. Was that from the Milton Berle joke book? <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield right. with Joe Miller joke No wonder book. you don't get any respect. <laughs> Bob Hope. Bob Hope. Yeah. But I want to tell you. He had more jokes than anybody. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, tell, tell me about this, this tour. How, how has this tour been for any? I know, I know you are off the road. Uh, yeah, I, I, I quit touring about almost six years ago. Yeah. So what's it like being back on the road for you? It's a gas. Yeah. Yeah. No, it uh, it, it it it's an injection of juice. Ah. You know, right. because uh, I have a quiet life. I got a wonderful place on Cape Cod near the ocean, and mm -hmm. uh, I got kids and grandkids, and and I like my quiet life. I play locally every blue moon. Uh huh. Uh, so coming out on tour uh, with these guys, we we had the same lineup uh, several years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, so it's been a lot of fun. It uh, it gets me out there, and I'm getting a good reaction from the audiences, and uh, I'm having fun up there because, as uh, Magic Dick was saying, being present and l being in the moment and trying to immerse yourself in that musical moment and you kind of lose your your ego and consciousness and you're just there with the music and there's no high like it i mean i think every musician knows that feeling that when you're in the zone which sometimes you can't get there all the time but if you're a professional and you know your business you can always uh do a good job of it, but in those magic moments when you're really lost in it, there's no feeling like that in the world. And that's what I think every musician lives for. Now, the real geniuses could almost tap into that, like turning on a spigot. Uh -huh. For the rest of us mortal musicians, we can get there once in a while, and once you've been there, you always want to get back to it. Uh -huh. Let me add one little thing to that. Um, yeah. Oh, jeez. Right. It'll come back. Don't worry. I know what you're going to say. No, I don't. <laughs> How about you, Lee? Oh, yeah. No, I remember oh, now. Sorry. Sorry. 
it's the, I've heard many musicians um, speak of this, which is that a big part of the, the thing of getting into the zone and, uh, and uh, is to listen mm -hmm. in the moment. It's very important that you actually really listen closely to what everybody is playing in the band. Well, that's a really, given. I mean, yeah, but no, but it's too easy to be center focused and just try to deliver your part, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But to do the best on delivering your part means you, if you're really actively listening to those that you're playing with, that makes a big difference for me. It's a conversation. Yeah, man. <laughs> okay. Trombone players, you can say they kind of, they say things about trombone players. They say things about drummers. What are harmonica players like? They're good for, they're good for screwing in light bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how many harp players does it take to change a light bulb? Little Walter it, didn't do it that way. It, it depends on what key it is. <laughs> you know, um, first of all, harmonica has been around for a long time, and uh, it has a certain image. Um, outside the box is something I always want to see with harmonica mm -hmm. as a tool. But the tool don't make music, people do. And harmonica is designed for the musically hopeless. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm going to tell you why. Because most people love music. If they hadn't, we'd all be in trouble right. having a career. Most people love music. But just because some people can physically channel to an instrument, they're considered musically. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of people who love music or got huge ears but physically can't channel. And I know some people can play 10 different instruments, to me, are musically hopeless. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with whether you can play an instrument or not. It has to do with what you guys are saying that I initially said. It's about the zone. It's about being in the moment. And a lot of people can pick up a harmonica. They don't have to be a virtuoso, but initially when they breathe on it, it plays them. And that's an inspiration. Hmm. Just that, hmm. without having to achieve to be a virtuoso. Hmm. Eventually, if you play and play some, something and make up stuff, instead of trying to play a tune, but just feel the instrument, explore. If someone asks, what did you play? Make up a title. You can BS. And, and, and hope they don't ask you to play the same thing again, because you're not going to be able to. That's okay. Look, just, just let me finish thought here. Just improvise on it. When you do that, that's really the same ticket that I do now that I have control over my instrument. I make the stop up in the spot, even if it's the same tune. If I don't do that, I can't even play. So I'm in the moment. Yeah. And that moment, whether you are, don't know what you're doing or in a moment where you have control and repeat something, it's always got to be in the zone if it's making music. Otherwise, it's a monologue. If it's a monologue, nobody, you may play perfect, but nobody feels it because the magic comes from the naiveness. The, the stuff we try to reach for. The magic is not something that you, you premeditated. Mm -hmm. So that's all. Jerry? Well, the thing about the harmonica, first of all, um, a lot of people that pick it up are defensive because 
Here's a scenario. You meet somebody at a party or whatever. They say, what do you do? You say, I'm a musician. <laughs> they say, what do you play? Now, you could say, well, I play blues or I play what, some kind of music. But usually, usually you say the instrument you play. So you, you say, I play the harmonica. Okay. Here's what happens. There's a, a two to three, four or five second pause. And then they say... <laughs> Oh, oh! <laughs> usually followed by, do you play anything else? <laughs> because that's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> but most people's exposure to the instrument is through people that are not really uh, very high-level players. Uh -huh. um, but the nature of the harmonica is unique because the harmonica, as opposed to... Uh, with all other wind instruments, you suck up as much air as you can and push it out through the horn. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a trumpet, trombone, clarinet, anything. The harmonica is the only instrument on which you truly breathe music mm. because you're creating sound, breathing in and breathing out. And part of the... Part of the trick to it is marrying your breathing to the rhythm of the song. But because you create the sound inhaling and exhaling, literally breathing, you're breathing music. And that's totally unique among all wind instruments. The rest are all just <laughs> suck it up and push, push it out when you play the music. So it's... And it's really... Uh, When I'm in the zone, it's like it plays itself. Mm -hmm. It's just like the harmonica is playing itself. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm just a, a conduit for the yeah. music. Yeah. Okay, we have some questions from people in the audience. Oh, a microphone person, right here. Okay, who, who has a question out here? I'm a beginning harmonica player. My teacher calls me an advanced beginner. Um, I'm working on how to improve my ability to get into that zone, to improvise on blues harmonica. Um, how do you prepare to get to the zone? How do you identify a new riff, practice that riff, and then that riff comes out when you're in the zone? Well, the, the most important thing, you know, when you would shed, you're working on your technique and, and the... the the physical nature of playing your instrument. But once you get up there, you have to let go of that stuff. Because a lot of guys, they'll, they'll practice a riff or a song, and then they'll, they'll look for a place to put it and cram it in. It's a very conscious thing. But really great music comes from the unconscious. And you take classic songs like uh, some of Little Walter stuff, uh, Off the Wall or Juke, that when you analyze it, there, there is perfect balance. I mean, architecturally, it's elegant. Yet, it wasn't planned at all because Walter has different, completely different takes of those songs. It was just one particular take. But... When you're in the zone and, and, and you're a conduit, 
The music will come out with an architectural perfection that you couldn't sit down and construct consciously. That's the magic and majesty of the music. Can I uh, just add to this, Jerry? To answer your question, uh, as Jerry said, woodshed, whatever you know, you want to call it, is you know, there's this way of methodically maybe a practicing something or whatever you, you want to call it. But what you have only to work with when you're in the moment is your reflexes. It doesn't matter if you study karate and you're spying. That ain't the same. When you get in a street fight, all you got is your reflexes. So the vocabulary that has been added to my reflexes, because I've experienced so many things in playing, um, it doesn't mean that my soul is musically better than yours, uh, or even a compare, measure. But the fact is, you have to connect with the instrument as if it's, as if it's you. Uh, man's worst disease is thinking. <laughs> I mean, so when you, so if I do business, and I do a lot of business, my thinking's gotta be up front. That's the logic. But it's gotta be supportive of my feeling and my emotions because that's my integrity. But when I go on stage, I gotta put the emotions up front supported with my logic. And those emotions can only be with reflexes. If the minute I am not in my zone, meaning I'm not, I, I couldn't play. So if I have to tell you, every time I'm on stage, every night, I feel the magic. Um, I've, I have never experienced a day where I hadn't. That's, that's my experience. I could never play by numbers I would screw up, I would make mistakes. But, but it's based on my reflexes. If I think about it, I get nervous because I have nothing to rely on but that. But mistakes are okay. Mistakes, is you repeat it, that's okay. That's right, play three times. People think mistakes, <laughs> people think music has to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. And blues is not supposed to be perfect. That's what a lot of people don't understand. There's a thing called the 10,000-hour rule. You uh -huh. ever heard of that? Uh -uh. Okay, well, that means when you've played for a certain amount of time, you get a certain second instinct that starts kicking in to your playing. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> I mean, I understand what you're saying. Well, what I'm saying is things become second nature at a certain uh, point. Yes. And when you develop yes. that, that's when yes. you're a professional. That's when you can get in the zone a lot easier than somebody that's never been on stage before. Absolutely. Speaking of pardon, it's nothing to do with professional. Professionals make money. Well, okay. There are a lot of people Let's make money that don't, that don't have what you achieve. Let's forget right? professional. <laughs> and there's some great people that don't make no money, but they should. Thank you. <laughs> I know who that was directed at. Not, not you. <laughs> I, I love you. Uh, let me add a little bit to this. Uh, the thing of being in the zone when you're playing, it's not, it's not a switch that you can throw in your mind or in your body to be in the zone. You get in the, into the zone by all the homework you've done over the years of working on developing as a player. That's your base, that's what you're working from. That's what like Lee was talking about with the, the reflexes you know, that you fall back on. Whether or not you actually get in the zone in any particular show 
it can be very serendipitous. Um, sometimes uh, it's almost like the more effort you put in it, into it looking for the zone, the, le the less you're going to find it. Well, yes, it's, even it, when you're in the zone, once you become conscious of it, you fall, you lose, you fall out of the sky. <laughs> That's right. That's the thinking. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah, think. Sure Just is. don't think. That's it. That's the key to everything. Right? Well, thinking, thinking. Sometimes you have to do, of course, when you're playing, because not every instance of performing with a band has been, you know, really well rehearsed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to be mindful of, okay, what's coming up next. You you have to learn to think as a musician. You have to learn to think a few measures ahead, mm -hmm. um, and be prepared um, technically for what you're about to play in the next measure or two because it might require different settings of your requiring, mm -hmm. uh, calling on different reflexes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the more you, you can be prepared for that change. So that's where the mindfulness comes in during a performance. It's like, you don't want to think too much about it, but you better be aware that, hey, the B section is about to hit you, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, and, 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 uh one other thing, you know, when you are in that zone, everything affects you. So in a way, what I want to say is that for me to do what I do, I am affected by everybody's playing. So I am listening. And I, and I love pockets when it's – and if something is off, it, because I, it affects me, I'm not just in my zone. I, everything affects me. If it's not in the pocket, it kills me. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm struggling. I'm still in my zone struggling, but it feels like I'm like paddling upstream. Mm -hmm. Well, when also, yeah. when things are right, generally I don't know. I, I expect things to be right. First of all, I started at the top. So like my first <laughs> gigs were with the greatest players that ever lived. Yeah. So that was my, my expectation that the stuff would be right. So I tend to notice when things aren't right. Yeah. If if a guy you know hits a clam or uh, something you know the drummer throws a fill where it shouldn't be you know I whip mm -hmm. I whip my mm -hmm. yeah and it takes you out of your game. Mm. So uh, uh, it's 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 the the fault that I usually notice because I expect the stuff to be right. Once in a while, somebody will play some great stuff, and I'll notice that. But, um, you know, you I know, guess. I, trade shows, like uh -huh. the NAMM show. Uh -huh. Here, all these people demonstrating instruments, and you have booths like next to each other. And what kills me is that they're all playing at the same time, but yes. in a different key. At least it'd be a rule today. <laughs> today it's A minor or it's C. I mean, at least something, because the not because when you all hear that. What's yeah. an A minor? Well, if you don't know, then play in C. I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't know an A minor or an E flat if okay. it hit me in the face. Well, and this is something for all, all the guys out there. I have to be the most ignorant musician on the planet. And I had a fabulous career because while all knowledge is valuable, this is your weapon. This is what you need. Yeah, but that's what they hang at the name show. If they, if they used to hear like you're saying, they wouldn't be playing in different keys and, and distracting, right? <laughs> you understand? No. In other words, yeah. but, but before the show, though, there's one thing. <laughs> there's one thing. Better take it. Be, before, it could be a gig. 
You know, <laughs> something something that's got to be mentioned. Uh -huh. I mean, at least from my behalf, I think everybody. Mark Harmel, uh -huh. okay, he is not just a great player, but there's something else that's, that that takes place. It's very difficult to aggregate to get in a business to get venues and get places mm -hmm. to exploit those places to be willing to accommodate what it takes. You know, none of us make a lot of money, but even a little bit of money is a lot of money to a club. And to be able to um, make these things happen, to be able mm -hmm. to uh, get players to be on the same page on, he, on these different shows he does, that's... Um, that's something to be respected because it, it allows the acknowledgement of people like myself, Magic, and Jerry Portnoy, mm -hmm. or anybody brings. Mm -hmm. And without acknowledgement myself, I would be starving. I don't mean just financially, yeah. in my soul. Yeah. So that's, that's my life. I, I, I paint, I create, and I like to be acknowledged. And when every time somebody allows me to have an opportunity as a platform, being invited here to be part of this, a lot of respect to Mark Hummel, and he does this all year round, trying to brand and introduce harmonica players. You know, that's his thing, harmonica. Yeah. And so he brings that out, different people. Oh, let's hear it for him. There you go. And he's also a chauffeur. I mean, he does everything. You have to sweep the floors, and there's nothing funny about it. It takes that much to do it. There's no, yeah. no prima donna. This right. man, this man. All right. Let's, yeah. We have another the question. million repetitive questions yes. every day. <laughs> I have a question for Mark. Okay. Mark, I want, I want you to tell the folks about, and myself included, about the origin of the harp blowouts. Because from my perspective, you, you're, doing, you're doing these harp blowouts, and you've been doing them a long time. Um, longer than a lot longer than even I was playing with you guys. It's like to me, it has it has created a unique opportunity for you as as a player to to play with the best players that are around. Yeah. So tell tell us about how how this what was the inception of the idea to do these heart blowouts. Well, I actually got the idea from there was a guy that did something called the Battle of the Blues Harmonicas. He started those in 1980 in the Bay Area, and uh, he only had me on one of them. So I said, well, I'm going to take my ball and go home and start my own. <laughs> and so that's what I did. Uh -huh. And he actually stopped doing his in the late 80s. So I started doing them in the, in the early 90s. In 91, I did my first one. And it was a small-scale thing, but I did it on a Sunday on uh, Martin Luther King holiday weekend. And we had about 150 people show up on a Sunday night, which is pretty good. And it was, I think, Rick Estrin and my friend Dave Earl and a guy named Doug Jay. And uh, you know Doug? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, so we just started, the guys, the the, the venue owner said, you know, let's do this every year. And I said, okay, I'll, if you're willing to do it, I'm willing to do it. And so, Yeah, but why did you want to do it at first? Because most, most of us don't put heart blowouts together. You know I, did it, I did <laughs> we, it as we, a one-off. We take gigs here and there and, you know, do shows. Well, I did but, it as a one-off, and, and the first one was fun enough that I just thought, you know, if, 
if someone wants to do this every year, I'll put it together every year. And what happened is I booked the one night. The second year, I booked three nights. The year after that, I booked five nights. You know, eventually, I booked it where it was 10, to, 10, to two we- 10 days to two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we got bigger and bigger venues and went farther and farther away. And, and eventually, you know, we started doing them on the East Coast, in the Midwest, in Europe, uh, wherever, you know, we, we had a call to do it. And it became bigger and bigger names. Of course, battles in music are... are it's not a battle. It's called, it's called the blowout. Blues Harmonica Blowout. Okay. The Battle of the Harmonicas was what the other guy did. Yeah. It's okay. a terrible name. Yeah, it sounds like Gladiators well, it with big like, chromatics. It sounds, like, it sounds like old-fashioned cutting contests. Yes, and it's like, you know, that's not my thing. Okay. Anytime somebody even sits there and judges people, if I, I don't want to ever be a judge. If I was, everybody won. I mean, in other words, how, who can paint the tree the best? What the hell? What's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> everybody paints the tree the way they do. Mm-hmm. So it's a canvas you play. So competing is not what music is about. Yeah, but you had, you had Big Joe Turner and Winoni Harris. What do that it? mean? That was just an album title. Okay. Just marketing. Totally. Bad All marketing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Great album. Maybe. <laughs> Mark, what did you learn from working with so many harmonica players? You know, I mean, I mean you, both you music, pick up, both you musically, pick up personally. Yeah, whatever. you pick up you pick up things really from uh, from just being on stage with people. And I mean, I was on stage with people before I did the blots. I mean, I played with you know a lot of the blues guys like you know I played with Brownie McGee, I played with Lowell Folson, I played with Eddie Taylor, you know, Jimmy Rogers, people like that. Before I played with harmonica players, that's who I was playing with. So be a journalist. I mean, you've seen so much. I wrote a book about it. There you go. Want to read it? Hey. It's on Amazon. (laughs) I have it. What's it called? Big Road Blues, 12 (laughs) bars on I-80. That's great. Got another question out here? I do. Yeah, we got... Let's go. Go ahead, Hi. Well, I'm also Bob. We have a few Bob here, and uh, I just want to say thank you. I've learned so much from every one of you. I've got a kind of specific follow-up question to the thought. You know, I like to think I'm an intermediate player, a little bit older, but I'd like to bring some respect to the instrument, like Jerry was uh, alluding to earlier. So what kind of specific practices you think like a person like myself and and the rest of us might might do you know a little bit on a daily basis or any thoughts to bring the game up well one thing is a musical instrument is is an inert object what you're doing is training your body and you're trying to establish muscle memory. And the best way to do that, what I tell my students when I taught, is if, for instance, if you have an hour a day to practice, you're better off practicing four times a day for 15 minutes because every time you come back to it, you reinforce that muscle memory. So you're better off practicing, you know, three times for 20 minutes or four times for uh, 15 minutes than one time for an hour. 
because you're training your body. The, the instrument doesn't change. It's just there, whether it's a guitar, it's just an inert object. You're trying to train uh, responses in your body to be automatic so that you don't have to th think your way through things. I mean, practice should be a very conscious activity. You should have certain things that you want to work on. You want to work on uh, your tongue blocking or playing octaves or whatever it is. And uh, so you, f you focus on those things. Or if you're playing a song, you go over it a, a bunch of times. If you're going to, once you get on a bandstand, though, you put that out of your mind and just be in the moment. And, and hopefully, you know, if you've developed those reflexes in that muscle memory, they'll execute properly at the necessary time. And, you know, also, uh, something I just want to sh share, in my opinion, when I see people singing and playing an instrument, uh, I can tell just by the way sonically the, when they sing and then how they play the guitar, let's say, or whatever, that if they are really in the zone, because the persona of whatever they're doing on the guitar, or harmonica or anything, should be scattering the same way as, as the voice. There's, there's a certain element that it naturally comes, yeah. versus you can tell somebody is mechanically thinking about whatever they're playing about. But once you are like free and liberated, once you have enough reflexes and your heart is just pouring out, it doesn't matter if you're scatting, it doesn't matter if you're out of tune, or if you're scatting, whatever it is, it, it's the same phrasing of things that, that you would, you, you can't help but come out with on an instrument. When you get to that zone, now you really own, own the instrument. Then you really own the instrument to express. Because again, like Jerry says, no matter what instrument, we love harmonica, that's a tool. It don't make music. You know, people make music. But, it, but the tool of the harmonica is the only instrument you, not just to breathe, but it's the only instrument that actually musically, like if you want to play a C chord, you, on a guitar, you have to know where's the C note, the E note, and the G note. Dexterity, all kinds of things. Even where to put your finger. Yeah, piano, you could go anywhere. But literally, it's spelled out like a little cartridge. Each harmonica, diatonic, is a different key of tuning. And you can really A and B. You can even compose hook lines, melodies, like no other instrument, by just breathing in and out and, say, and it plays you and say, wow, that's a cool little riff. So harmonica that can do a lot of things, not just performing, but also, um, you know, to come up with melodies, composing, um, breathing exercises. Been, there was even a joke that you can put harmonica in every patient in the hospital, and they're breathing, and they hear music, and if somebody stops, you, you know, they can tell if somebody's dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you got to inhale, exhale, right? I want to uh, add something to, uh, specifically, uh, Bob, on your question. Um, my overall feeling about all that you asked about, what works for me, it, the most important thing, is the love and attention that you direct at the object, at that instrument. It's like I try to maintain the interest in it and, and the attraction to it. Without an attraction to it, without like this impulse to grab this thing right here. If you don't feel that, don't play it. It's like, it's the most important thing because it will carry you through every aspect of technicalities, 
of any musical difficulties, you must be in love with this object. That's right. I agree. Wow. And wow. also in love with yourself and in the way you interact with that object. And try to direct all your attention and your imagination. Your imagination will really open up the technical avenues for you. No matter what difficulties you might be wrestling with, if you use your visual imagination and your oral imagination, combine those and think of all the possible simple things that you can do physically with no other equipment, just you and this object. That's the thing that will really make it work for you. And it's going to be different for, for everybody, you know. But this love of this thing, of this instrument, is essential. And I play other instruments, too, like trumpet and saxophone a little bit. But I feel the same way about that. It's like, that's the reason I got them to begin with, was this love of this thing, you know. This thing that has so much potential in it. Combined with your own potential, which is largely undiscovered until you really start digging, you know. Wow. So, I was going to say, can I can I make a comment? Yeah. One of the things I was going to say about harmonica playing, and I totally second what you're saying, is besides being in love with just the instrument, I think you have to be in love with this kind of music and 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 harmonica music in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can love all kinds of music, but I know early on what I would do is I would just listen to harmonica constantly. Mm-hmm. And I would put on record players. I, I started when I was 14, 15 years old. I would put on records at night when I was going to sleep. I'd take the spindle off and just let it go over and over and over on little Walter records. And I have that stuff like in my DNA now, man. It's yeah. just like, it's so deep in terms of you know well, what I've listened to. Hey, I'm talking. Oh. Yeah, but you're, are you saying anything? Well, it's not. Ju- it's it's probably more than you. Right it's not now. just me, huh? Is that it? <laughs> now, uh, I lost my train of thought. Good. <laughs> I've got another question here. If we... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Just, to, just to, kind of what he was talking about and what Dick was talking about. I mean, if you really want to get to a high level, you have to be obsessive compulsive, and it's just in you. You know, it's not a, it's not a conscious choice. You're just obsessed with it, and any anybody that gets to a high level of playing on any instrument goes through. Uh, uh, a level of complete immersion and obsession with it. And for most harmonica players, there's at least one person that they drove crazy while they were learning how to play because they were so irritating. For me, it was my sister. And I did drive her crazy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes, another question. I, I do, I do. Um, you know, the passion and the love for the instrument guides the music. As someone said, the conduit is the tool. But I'd like to talk about part of the tools of the trade. Uh, in my hands, I have Jerry Portnoy's Blues Harmonica Masterclass. So I have, as Mark said, it takes about 10,000 hours to get to a place. Well, I have 10,000 hours of listening, so I'm still on the path. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask, 
about the commerce of the, of the business, too. And Lee, I've been to a lot of NAMM shows, and I own a lot of your blues harps. And I kind of want to ask you, where did you get the inspiration to make those harps, the blues harps that you do? And is it, does it guide the passion by playing something that you made, your own harps? Well, um, first of all, I started playing harmonica. Well, I, I think I played. In other words, the harmonica played me. I got my harmonica when I was six years old. And uh, the first thing I have to say about that is that thank God nobody thought I was a virtuoso because they would have put me on a violin and a piano. And I just kept doing, hearing, and loving music. I, I hear everything in my head. Um, as I grew and wanted to make it in the music business, um, with my harmonica in, in the United States, I'm here. I was fortunate enough, finally, I, I got my, my dream. I came with Eric Burton. And I've been tinkering with harmonicas for years. And once I could buy lots of harmonicas, because now I have some money, and every bit of money I made, I spent. Maybe one out of every 10 was good. I was very frustrated with it. I knew already what would make a good harmonica or not. And so my... My um, my wish was to be able to uh, have the tool that works for me, that, that could work for me. And so in, in the quest of that and my ideas and so on and so on, I tried different places who already make harmonicas and had, didn't get nowhere. Finally, I'm, I found out about a factory called Tombo in Japan. And uh, fortunately, they were fans of my music that did very well in Japan, some of my solo stuff. And so we had some meetings. And with the meetings, um, I worked out my business with them, had machines set up with my ideas and their expertise. And I wanted not just the major diatonics that most people use, but part of it was also other tunings so I could hear harmonica used in many different genres of music, not just what people always think harmonica today is blues. Um, also, I wanted the interchangeable parts because it should be like any other instrument, not rivets. It should be able to take apart, work, tune, adjust things, whatever you need, if carry extra replays, if, like guitar strings. So my vision, my vision was right from my own heart and soul as, as, an, as a necessity as a tool for myself. And thank God for Factory Tombo, who's 102 years now. I'm 37 years manufacturing. They're 102 years and survived those five generations. So they have a lot of expertise to transfer from what be my, might be a hobby for me to make it manufacturing. And the manufacturing is a whole nother animal to have consistency. And I'm very fortunate that with my thoughts and ideas and expertise, um, there's a great tool, not only that I depend on, but a lot of people, and that's, that's the joy of seeing good business. Well, okay, thank you, gentlemen, for being here. This has been wonderful. It's been very enlightening, and even you. <laughs> 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 thank you for being here. <laughs>